In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash big climb. Again, that is lls.org slash big climb. Welcome to a special episode of the Clip City Podcast. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. Today, I'm joined by former Clippers center and current TV and radio NBA analyst for ESPN and CBS Sports, Ryan Hollins. Ryan, how you holding up right now? Man, day by day, I, I think uh, just watching the temperature in the country and seeing uh, how, how things happen, uh, just when we, seems like just when we think something's going to go away, something else pops up and, and happens. So just just staying at home with the family, uh, trying to obviously abide by all the uh, the rules and laws to you know be as safe as we can. So just day by day, brother. I know we're all we're all hurting. At least if we had some basketball going on, things might be different. <laughs> Seriously, uh, how's quarantine been for you though? Like, what, what what's a day to day like for you? But yeah, I know you. We were texting and you were saying you're putting the kids in school and and you know getting them settled. Like, what's that like? So every day I, I kind of get them up, start their schooling with them. And, you know, we'd always done tutoring, but doing actual school with them is, is different. Uh, just you're playing referee for the most part. <laughs> My kids are smart enough to knock out, uh, knock out their school assignments. And then from there, I've been running the uh, Opinionated Seven Footers podcast with Brendan Haywood. And we try to at least do something daily to get, you know, an IG live to get some content out. And then obviously acquiring guests to sit down and, and talk during the times of quarantine. So I think just like you, Jovan, just trying to keep, you know, not waiting for, you know, media or news to happen, but going out and making sure uh, our, our voices are heard each and every day. So that's, that's, that's just about it, man. <laughs> uh, so the, the reason, one of the reasons I, I wanted to bring you on was a couple of weeks ago, the blackball documentary came out on Quibi, which was about the five days of the Donald Sterling saga of when those tapes leaked from TMZ to the day Adam Silver banned him for life from the NBA. Uh, you were on that team and you were there, you experienced it. Um, I, I know you said you haven't had a chance to watch the documentary yet, but I'm sure you know all the things that were said by, you know, Chris was in it, DJ, JJ, um, and uh, Doc and uh, Matt Barnes and you know, you know their side of the story. You you know what they think about all this, but I'm curious what you remember from that five day experience, which I'm sure was unlike you know any five days, not only in your NBA career, but maybe in your life, where um you know it became a, a national story. You had CNN at at you know shoot around and, and practices, and you guys weren't just looked at by the sports world. You guys were looked at at the world at large of 
you know, what were you guys going to do? How are you going to protest? How are you going to handle this? Um, so I know there's a lot to unpack with this subject, but just wanted to kind of throw it to you and, and what you remember from those five days. We weren't ready. We weren't equipped. We, we didn't know what it was. And I say that because everybody knew that Donald Sterling was racist. It's just, you know, how in your face was he going to get it and who was it essentially going to affect? When I, you know, dreamed of playing the NBA, even when I came to the Clippers, I never came to the Clippers for Donald Sterling. So I think that was a consensus amongst all, even even within our, our different work fields. You may know there's a, a racist boss at one of these large networks, per se, or it may not be as friendly to uh, the thoughts and beliefs and in, in harmony of equality. But we still do our jobs, whether you want to write, you want to be a policeman, you want to be an astronaut, who knows what you want to do. We kind of assume that and we just go about our day to day business as we as we should, because we've got, you know, for those with family, you got a wife and kids at home that you got to provide for. So if you're walking away, you know, if you're a single man, that's one thing, you know, you sleep on the couch, fellas have no problem with that. But. As a family man, you got you have different expectations. Coming full circle to like you said, what were the thoughts and emotions? What was it like? Doc came to us and he had a meeting with us and said, man, you know, hey, guys, you know, 730, we'll meet in the hotel. And I remember he told us that he really downplayed it, everything. And I think even even at his standpoint, he didn't know. It's just like, hey, it's normal procedure in the NBA to hear about something's going to happen, a player's going to be suspended, you know, someone's going to be fired, they're going to step down. And if we go and play basketball, basketball for many of us is a safe haven. And, it, and I'm not just talking about athletes like Jovan Shu. We go to the game, we, we relax, like we kind of chill. Like you get to forget about the, the world for a second, you know, or at least during the duration of the game. And it was like, hey, Donald made some questionable statements. They're not going to go over well. They have racial undertones. And in our minds, it's like, for one, what's really going to happen to Donald Sterling? And for two, racial undertones, like, okay, it, he's kind of managed w- with racial undertones for a long time and nothing has happened. I remember waking up the next day and just my phone blowing up, it going off. And I could tell everybody was running around answering phones. We were, I don't want to say divided at that time, but it was like, Yo, that wasn't what Doc said necessarily it was. And I remember the first time I heard it, heard the tapes. You know, I heard I heard a guy, older guy, finagling with, with his mistress, and she would parade around the arena at the time. So we kind of just are what what can you do? She's the mistress of the owner. This happened right in front of people's faces. What are you really what are you really gonna do? What are you gonna go and say? I mean, she walked around like she was the owner, and and, and I guess deservedly so. But when we heard when you hear those words when he said, you know, I don't even remember how they were, but it was something to the ex- extent of, all, you know, they're all black players, all these black players or something, or, you know, Magic's black. Are you with that black guy or like what? However, he just framed it to separate himself from the rest of us. And it hurt. It hurt hearing it. Like, it hurt. Like, that was different. I think we we kind of sat in a meeting and we all went out, you know, after that, we went our separate ways and talked to our friends and families. And, we, you know, everybody was texting. Everybody's texting you with an opinion on what you should do rather than what they're doing on what you should do. You sit out the game. Don't play. Don't do this. Don't do that. What you should do. 
I think you kind of wave it off because I don't know if those people in a situation would have the same bravery and at the same time, what type of result would happen. I remember we're getting ready to play Golden State and I, I felt like it was so selfish of TMZ to do this and, and right, right in the midst of the playoffs, right before, like, I think it was game five or six. They're so, like, they don't care about Black because they sat on the story for months. TMZ is not all pro-Black, all Black Lives Matter. They're about their money. Because they sat on that Darling Sterling story for months and just want to make the most money they could make during the NBA playoffs. Doc came to us when it got big, and Doc had this stance because he's trying to figure out what it is. But ultimately, like, you know, this opportunity playoffs don't come back around. He said, What do you guys want to do? You guys want to play or you guys want to not play? Are, are, are we playing or are we not playing? What are we doing? Of course, no one's going to be like, man, we're not playing. I don't think anybody felt strongly enough at that side. Well, what are we going to do? You guys do something. You got to be unified. Let, let's make sure we're on the same page here. He wanted to make, get control of his team. And if something was going to happen, he wanted to be ambushed by it. And we kind of said, you know, we're not going to do nothing. And then um, I remember before the game, we're sitting around and, you know, a couple of guys were like, man, like, we got to do something. Like, you know, like, <laughs> we got to make some type of statement. So. You know, normally, you know, maybe you could almost laugh a little bit in a sense. So, like, you know, you would tape your wrist up if your wrist was hurt or, you know, you'd have the calf sleeve on a sudden. And then uh, I remember it was DJ and Matt. Everybody came in with these black markers. They're like, hey, we coloring this black right now. <laughs> and we start coloring, you know, coloring the white parts in or like if you got ankle tape, you know, we're coloring it in black. Like, hey, man, we're doing this. And then um, to have our voices heard. Um, the biggest thing, because I don't think anybody knew, it's like, all right, like, how far am I going to go with this? And this is happening. We're isolated, because keep in mind, we're on the road when this is happening at Golden yeah. State. So we run out and we tell we doc, we're not going to do nothing. And I don't think, he really didn't have control after what happened. He sat us down, man, we're not making no comments, no statements, no nothing. If you want to make a statement, make it now, which is not necessarily fair. We decided that we were going to run out and we were going to take our jerseys off, and we slammed the jerseys down, threw the jersey on, and went and played the game, and we get back to basketball. Um, but our minds were other places, and Golden State, they weren't the better team at the time. This is the year before they become Steph Curry and Clay, two-time MVP, Olympic championship, Olympic champion, three-time or two-time NBA champs, and they go on and do what they do. This is before they – we would have beat the, the mess out of them at home. This, is, this wasn't supposed to be a series. We were supposed to sweep them or, like – they just weren't who they were at the time. We had Chris and Blake and DJ and all those guys. So they beat us because our just minds were elsewhere. And I felt like, I almost felt like in a sense, like I looked at Golden State, like, I don't know, man. I didn't see them too empathetic to the things that went on with them. I just felt like it was war and they just want to just beat on us. And then we, you know, the game series gets pushed to a game seven and we, you know, pull it out in the fourth quarter. But I, I kind of, I don't know in a sense, I feel weird. I feel kind of let down from there. Like they just saw this advantage and they just, they just jumped all over it, you know? And obviously there was bad blood in the series. You know, we almost came to blows, you know, a couple of those ending those series in the locker room and behind the scenes, people don't, you know, it's, it's been told about it, but you know, that, that happened, especially that, ne that year. But I would just say, man, it was an interesting time and I was appreciated that Adam Silver jumped out in front of it but like even with donald like he was so naive to the severity of it because he'd been like man i bought everything and i heard he even made the statements that he was like how much how much money for it to go away 
you know, he was still trying to be with his mistress at the time. Like, come on, babe, let's let's go to the Bahamas. Let's go, like, let's get out of here. And he's like, yo, like, he didn't think he was, he's like, yo, how much money to make it go away? Because this man was so smart. For one, you technically can't remove him. You can ban him from NBA arenas. You can't make him sell the team. They had to plead with him to sell the team. He didn't want to do that at first. And what's even more gangster about Sterling, and I'm going to call him gangster, what's even more gangster about it, not gangster in a good way, gangster in a bad way, he, he's so smart. When he buys real estate, he not only buys the land, he rents it to himself. So our practice facility was still on Sterling Drive and still owned by Donald Sterling. So he rented it to himself. So even to this day, or I don't know if it's changed, he still owns the practice facility or they pay him a certain level of rent because he would set up a system. He was so smart where he would pay himself. He buys the land, he rents it himself, and then he's also the owner and he would pay. It was something wild. But I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, he still uh, collects a check for it. But he set that type of system up and um, it, the battle went on for a while. I believe his wife was on board with uh, the team being sold. And they had to go back and forth. And he had, you know, his family members. And it was tough because it was right at the time. Jovan, I don't know if a lot of people know, but they were transitioning Donald out of basketball. His daughter and his son, Eric, uh, I forget Eric's last name. But they were coming in to run the ownership responsibility. So Donald was like already on the way out. So he was like a double haymaker. And I guess just, you know, just uh, bad energy coming back around. Uh, to him. So yeah, that that was actually the the first playoff series I traveled for, and that this all happened before Game Four, and I was on my way to San Francisco. And when I checked Twitter and saw you know TMZ tweeted out, and I was just like, oh, like this is going to be madness. And I remember it, that arena was like the you know so much tension. Um, you know, you guys were on the road, and it was this heated rivalry with you guys and the Warriors, but. They, you know the cr- the crowd almost felt you know bad for you guys because you guys were in s- such a tough position. You know it was just this weird energy where, um, but the Warriors did come out and and you know win by twenty something. But bro, real quick, but, he was demanding to come to the game. He w- yeah, he was demanding. <laughs> he was like, what? He was like, bro, they're gonna massacre you at the game. Someone's gonna hit you with a a sack of nickels. <laughs> yeah, they had to like fight him. Like you're not going to the game. The Last Dance documentary has brought up the ongoing debate that no one will ever win. Is Michael Jordan the GOAT? Is LeBron James the GOAT? One thing we do know for sure is Manscaped is the GOAT for men's grooming. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your snags will be reduced while designing your own triangle offense down under. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 water resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com, code THEATHLETIC. So I'm curious because... The way the the documentary opens, Doc has this great quote uh, that people want to know the response to an evil action almost as much as they care about the evil action, and the people that are persecuted shouldn't have to answer, but that's not the way it is. So 
I'm curious, you, you mentioned how much of a distraction this is. And, you know, for, for NBA players, games and practices and being with your teammates can be that safe haven, like you said. Um, and, and you guys are masters at, at, you know, keeping distractions away, whether it's, you know, not checking social media or, or just not letting it affect you, not reading, um, you know, the, the newspaper or online or wherever, like you guys can kind of block that noise out. But as you kind of said, this was impossible to block out. So how, how much of it was a distraction and, and how do you think it kind of affected you guys throughout the playoff run? Because on paper, this was probably the best Clippers team of that Lob City era. You know, the, the, you guys made the second round, uh, pushed the Thunder to six, um, could have won that series. And, and, you know, did some of this linger into that? Like, like how, how did this affect you guys really from the moment it happened through the rest of the season? It absolutely did because now you're question, questioning the fibers of our, our, uh, our heritage and who you are and how we, how we were raised. A lot, of, a lot of us, you know, came from poverty and um, it had to deal with racism, you know, growing up. So when you kind of like your, your blackness is in question, if that makes sense, it's going to eat at your conscience and morality to a degree because you always question, should I be doing more? What should I be doing? And Doc, I understand why he did it because we made a choice that we were going to play, but like he silenced the voice that did not come out. He told us not to speak. And like, you know, DJ puts up an all black. Uh, he, he was the first DJ. DeAndre Jordan may be the creator of Blacked Out because everybody's blacking out on Instagram. DeAndre did that a long time ago. And I think Matt was taking interviews and, you know, it was crazy. Like, Jovan, and I chose not to, but like I sat down with my station boss or boss or whatever you want to call him, a relationship I had with Michael Thompson at ESPN 710. And he was like, yo, Ryan, I want to give you your own show. I want to bring you on. I need you to tell us what's going on in the, in the locker room. And I told him I couldn't do it because I had to stay loyal to what Doc had told the team not to do. Well, shoot, I end up off the team regardless. <laughs> and <laughs> I see my other teammates doing all kind of media, you know, because that wanted synergy in the locker room. But I think from a player's standpoint, not being able to speak out, not having peace. And I think we see today a lot of people just have unrest because from an African-American standpoint, we haven't had peace. And when you look at George Floyd, I don't care what color you are, man. Like when you see when you see it, everyone feels George Floyd. Everybody feels that. So now, I don't care what color you are. Like you said earlier, you understand and you you're feeling it. But at that time, everybody didn't feel it. So you go against the grain, fully against the grain. At that time, I don't know what your rewards would have been. You know, we look at, and I think Kaepernick ends up coming out after that, but we don't see those those rewards that rewards are what they would have been. And like I said, just ultimately, we just, and a lot of us were to the point where we was dealt with the life and the cards and the hand that we gave us. Be careful around policemen. You know, don't speak out too much. Be careful what you might say. It may go into the media. You know, you may leave and lose endorsements and certain things. You know, just just tread lightly when you talk about these uh, matters of social injustice and ultimately you know we, we weren't necessarily raised to be active I, I, I think i believe like jovan like that's a gift like some people have that their voices can be heard and speak everybody's not blessed with that gift 
Everybody gets on and criticizes Michael Jordan for speaking or not speaking. I don't know if it comes from a selfish point of view or whatnot. I'm not going to judge. But what I will say that he's not as comfortable as LeBron is. You can't make Michael Jordan say and do something no matter how much influence that he has because there could be someone with a penny to his name but speaks well and is someone who who really um, is in tune and in harmony with the things that uh, should or shouldn't happen. So um, we were just in an odd place, bro. We were we were definitely in an odd place, and we ended up blowing that lead to the Thunder. So I, I would definitely attribute a lot of it to that uh, instance because we we had them we had them beat like we had their number like we went I think game one game game one and two and just put hands on them at their place or we got we got one of the games over there and it was like man we're that's all you need to do just steal one at home and take care of home steal one on the road take care of home and you're in good sitting. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you on that. Most of our listeners are in and around Los Angeles. What better way to promote your business than through our show? Our listeners are loyal and engaged, just like you. What better way to advertise your business than on your favorite podcast? To advertise on this very show, Clip City, just go to www.theathletic.com slash podcast ads. That's www.theathletic.com slash podcast ads. There, you can fill out a very simple form and we'll get back to you right away. So again, go to www.theathletic.com slash podcast ads today. I'm curious, you know, you just mentioned George Floyd and, you know, it, it feels like, you know, this this is such a common occurrence in America, unfortunately, with racism and, and police brutality. Uh, but it, it does feel like the past week has been different a, a little bit than, than maybe other instances where you, you have seen more people speaking out than ever before. It feels like almost, you know, every celebrity with with a voice that is on the right side of this ha- has come out and, and said something, uh, done something. You know, you have uh, across sports leagues, pretty much every team has come out, said something what are your thoughts on, on kind of what has happened and, and transpired over the last week, week and a half? And, and sort of, it, it you know, does it feel any different to you with, with you know, maybe the act, you know, the activism going on right now, um, the, the way it feels like, you know, white people might be more involved in this than, than maybe in, in, you know, years past? Um, or, or does it feel like the same and, and nothing has really changed yet? Or you're still kind of evaluating the situation? I think there's a, for one, there's a lot more awareness. I say there's a lot more awareness because uh, I believe watching George Floyd taking a deeper dive into uh, how the African-American community feels and has been treated because the influencers have showed up and shown up and drawn a line and said, hey, it's not African-Americans just saying Black Lives Matter. It is a stance that says you're with us or you're against us and your silence speaks out. So. People and companies and brands have been forced to dive into an issue that they never really needed to dive into, wanted to dive into, or cared to. I believe from a political aspect, um, and I'm not political at all, we have a system that's set up that's not going to evoke, you know, necessarily real change. And um, we're getting messages from upstairs. Uh, from the president that, that doesn't want change. And I think um, it's very intriguing when it comes to those agendas because he's he's a lot smarter than people give him credit for. And, um, 
you know, he has his own agendas. And I, I don't think he's beyond knowing that once he says something, he evokes war. It's almost like the reverse psychology. Like, all right, when the, you know, the looting starts and the shooting starts, <laughs> you're going to, you got people who are already upset. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to loot some more. You, you know what you're creating. So um, I'm not sure where that where he's going with that or what his plan is. But I, I, I definitely believe that he's a lot smarter than he gets credit for because um, he's his his welfare, well-being uh, isn't necessarily being torn up. Um, it is a little therapeutic to see people say that they they believe and they understand how you feel um, when it comes to oppression or just having to live different, man. Like like we like my mom taught me at a very young age, like you got to be twice as good at what you do because you're competing unfairly against people. And just out like you just kind of like imagine telling your kid that and you just have an understanding like, hey, man, you're going for a role. White guy's going for a role in corporate America. That white guy's going to get the role. If you guys are just as good, you got to be twice as good. I was, I was always under that understanding um, to the work twice as hard. But that's just unfortunately, that's what it is um, in terms of the looting. I personally don't believe in it. I wouldn't be out there doing it. I don't think that it's right to steal or destroy someone else's property. But I'm also not going to take or cast judgment upon how somebody's hurt and somebody's frustrated and somebody's struggling and how their emotions are. Jovan, I'm, I'm watching George Floyd. I've gone through every emotion. And I think beyond that, it's I'm hurt. I'm angry. I'm confused. I'm, you know, frustrated. You know, some look in some bit like we talked about. I'm happy. Like, wow, is something happening? Like, you know, so you've there's an array of emotions going on right now, and I don't think that it's fair to tell someone how they should or, or shouldn't handle it. Or those some of those people looting. Some people are just going out for their own selfish gain. Some people, because of COVID nineteen, don't have jobs. The kids don't have schools to go to and and get their two meals, their their breakfast. And their lunch, whatever, however that's supposed to feed uh, some kids. And they're hungry. Some people are looting because they're hungry. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and Jovan have been hungry, have been hungry for a long time. You know, like, it's nice. I'll say I'm blessed to the point. I was talking about this with one of my friends. Like, Jovan, like, if you wanted a pair of Jordans, we're Jordan guys. Mm-hmm. Man, you can go out and buy a pair of Jordans. Boo, 160. We can go buy a Jordan. If you wanted a certain car, we can set up a payment plan. We can go get a nice car. Some people don't have those freedoms. They don't have those financial freedoms the way that the system's gone in the cards that they've been dealt. So they're like, man, I want these freedoms. Like Louis Vuitton? <laughs> We're about to go get Louis Vuitton. Like people are in some ways being vindicated or, or going on and everybody has different agendas, man. So I don't want to judge. I don't have a clear cut answer. I believe that God has those answers that we need to submit and, and uh um, listen to him. The, the Bible talked about these things a very, very long time ago, but I, I, I'm in no place or shape or form to judge someone's feelings and how they go and they carry and they, ha- they handle themselves. I just hope that everyone's safe and they make it out of this. I, I think what, one thing I've learned from this entire situation, um, and you, you've seen people talk about it a, a lot more, especially the last few days, is it's not it's not only important to be not racist, but you have to be anti-racist. And I think that that's been the biggest wake-up call for me because similar to you, I'm not 
a, a very political person. You know, I, I do vote and, and I, I try to stay informed, but I, I'm not watching the news every day. I'm, I'm not, you know, very, um, you know, just, just kind of uh, following this stuff 24-7 the way some people do. And I, I think, you know, just being a, a younger person in my 20s and, and coming up in the media, you know, I, I've seen how people who, who go down the political route sometimes on social media, you know, you might misspeak and, and say the wrong thing, or you might get into a heated discussion with, with someone. And I, I just, I, I've tried to avoid those types of things. And, you know, a lot of the times I just haven't spoken out on stuff and, you know, I'll, I'll retweet stuff or, um, you know, I, I will have private conversations with people, but it hasn't been something where I've, I've voiced it publicly. And I, I think the past week has made me really reevaluate that of, you know, again, you know, I'm so I, I don't know if you know my background, but uh, my, my dad is Serbian and my mom is Puerto Rican. So I've, you know, it's it's not the same, but I, I've seen my dad experience xenophobia. You know, I, I've seen him be told, go back to your country. I've seen my mom experience racism uh, as a Hispanic woman. And, you know, again, it, it's not the, the same as as the plight of uh, what you know, blacks have gone through in America, but um, I, it is something I'm sensitive to because I've I've seen my parents, you know, experience their own form of discrimination. Uh, but again, it, it's not you know, silence is compliance in a way, and and you not speaking out, um, you know, posting stuff on Instagram stories, retweeting stuff, you know, participating in in the blackout today. Like I, I think that stuff is important, and it's really the minimum you can do. But um, I, I'm I'm curious, like for, from your perspective, what youth what you what change would you like to see you know with, with white people and and you know not obviously there are racist people and and it you know it might be impossible to change those people they just are the way they are and you know we, we just have to figure out how to deal with them but for the people like myself who are not racist but maybe silent sometimes or maybe not as comfortable speaking out sometimes what change would you like to see from them uh i think the biggest thing it would simply just come down to empathy so I empathize with you. I know why you're crying. I know why you're hurt. I, I, I'm kind of walking in your shoes. I'm going to take a different approach to it. You know, I, I may be quicker to, to turn and help rather than to just walk away. Um, secondly, I say, you're not ending racism. I, I, don't, I don't think that only one with that power is God. Now, first off, obviously, I would love everybody to dive into the Bible. Because we we would just follow those teachings, we 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 would be fine. And and forgive me if you don't agree with me or not, but it would be a lot better than what we're we're seeing uh, right now. Um, but I think from just a political or aspect, and I by no means I want no parts of politics at all. You look at something to be fair, and I believe that there's going to be racist cops. We can't just get rid of that. There's going to be racist. We can't get rid of that. If the accountability to the policemen happen, we see the accountability to the policemen that go out and just do something wrong, like just black and white, like, yo, like it's wrong. Like, yeah, like, yo, you're wrong. Like you murdered someone. You receive the same punishment that a criminal would get because you are a criminal at this point. That would be fine. If those four guys have been down for murder third degree, first degree, whatever. Hey, man, you held his legs. You were part of it. Because Joe Biden, if, if, if me and you, we've always been taught, we go, and me and you go rob a bank, since we were young, they, what, what they say? If me and you go rob a bank, 
and you're the getaway driver, you're going to jail too, right? We've all, since we were little, we've been taught that. But somehow when that concept comes to policemen, it doesn't come in. I believe that a lot of stuff and a lot of people would chill out. I mean, heck, I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, don't quote me if I'm wrong. Forgive me if I am. They, they're trying to implement something immediately that's saying, man, if you're a looter, you're getting 10 years in jail. You're getting something. Where if you're, you're caught looting, it's this harsh fine. Just that quickly. Well, just that quickly evoke something to where these policemen can be fine. And this idea of immunity is not right. I always think of, in a sense of, Jovan being a professional. Because I would not look at a, a policeman's profession as any different way. And I say it in this certain stance. As a, uh, a seven-foot former NBA player and now part of the media, when I step away from my job or when I do my job, there's a certain code of conduct and ethics that comes along with my job so that I can maintain my job, right? I got to sign an autograph. I got to smile for people. I can't be out punching and fighting people or else I'm going to lose my job, even though it has nothing to do with my job. If I'm a, uh, even for you as a writer, if tomorrow you go out and get a DUI, potentially that's your last story you've ever written or last game you've ever covered, or you do something I'm like, man, he can't come on the team playing with us. He can't travel. Like we're not putting you in those situations. As a professional, there's a much larger job and duty to the policeman outside of them just being police in the black and white lines and confines of their job. If they are held to a moral code of conduct and standard and they get the same penalties as a criminal as any professional would do for abandoning the code of conduct and your job lasts a lot longer, it's a 24-7 job, I don't think that the same fuss would be there because I don't believe racism is going to be eliminated ever. At least, unless God comes out and does it, racism is not going to be eliminated, but at least there's something we can cope and feel more comfortable with in seeing some form of justice. It's not going to be complete justice, but just some form uh, in the meanwhile. If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a US licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have a question or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com clippers for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash clippers for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. There's no uh, smooth transition out of this subject into basketball, but it, it does seem like you know the NBA is going to return at some point soon, uh, maybe as soon as the end of this week being announced. Um, you know, I, I know the board, of, uh, the board of Governors are supposed to vote tomorrow or Thursday. Uh, we're recording this Tuesday afternoon, um, you know, Thursday on what type of format they want and when they want to return and, and kind of figure out all, all that stuff. Um, so assuming, uh, you know, the NBA does return and, you know, we're, we're in Orlando uh, at, at the end of July, um, 
what are your thoughts on on the Clippers and, and their season and, and how you view them heading into the, the postseason? Uh, you know, the, their championship odds. Um, you know, de- depending on what happens, if it's group play, if it's um, you know traditional seeding, if it's reseeding one through sixteen. Um, how do you just kind of in a macro sense uh, view the Clippers and, and, and their title chances? In terms of the Clippers, and for one, I'll say I, I don't, I, this is going to affect the, the NBA coming back, which is wild. A lot of the, the, the looting and the stuff, that's going to yeah. affect the NBA coming back. Um, hopefully it doesn't prolong it. I, I don't know how Corona is going to come into play. And I say hopefully it doesn't prolong it because, man, <laughs> If I got an NBA game, I can sit down and watch. Maybe I forget that my city's torn up or that I got a, a racist cop that killed George Floyd for a moment. You know what I'm saying? Maybe for an hour and 40 minutes, uh, I can forget a lot of these things. But when I dissect the Clippers, they were my, my favorite to win a championship. Because I always say, how are you built to guard the baddest man on the planet? For one, Golden State's out of the window, so I'm talking about LeBron James. The Clippers and Lawrence Frank and Doc have assembled a roster in which can go, you can have five guys on the court outside of Lou Williams, <laughs> you know, when he plays, and you can figure that out. Um, because that's Lou Williams is a good problem uh, that can guard LeBron James. But before the NBA season has taken this uh, hiatus due to COVID-19, LeBron James showed us once again that he's the best player on the planet. When I factor in COVID-19, I think that the, the edge goes back to the Lakers now as much as I would love to see the Clippers win because they haven't. I think this is the team, this is the moment, this is the chance. LeBron James is the guy who's gone to nine NBA Finals, won three championships. He's got the most experience in these situations. So if I throw everybody in, just in, out of shape, tired, whatever it may have been, you're going to most likely, unless injury prevails or comes out and and rears his ugly head, you're going to lean towards the guy with the experience because he knows how to rally the troops. He's been there. He knows the emotions and feelings that go into a championship. Now, Kawhi who's a lot more vocal than people know or see, is an excellent leader. But I worry with Kawhi because if Kawhi's not in basketball shape and we've sat him at home for, for however many days, three months at a time with COVID-19 and we want him to fire the body back up, I'm concerned how that leg is going to function. Now, I hope it works fine and just and everything works out, but I'm worried about the Clippers team chemistry because now experience takes his hand and it may not just be about Kawhi and Paul George. It's how do Kawhi, Paul George, and Lou Williams, and Montrose Harold work together as a cohesive unit. And if we want to say that there was one problem with the Clippers is that they hadn't, I think at one moment, there had been seven times that Doc has seen the team in full. You, you know what I'm saying? So um, I still really like the Clippers. I would like to go to a 16-game format only this year. Maybe that's another discussion. Because if you do it only this year, we can see possibly the Lakers and Clippers on other sides of the bracket. And we don't have to see it in the Western Conference Finals, which would be, like, super, super cool. Uh, But the NBA gets back. um, I think it would just give us a well-needed refreshment uh, from the things that we're dealing with. But um, there's been years and years behind the frustration, so I understand. Well, Ryan, I appreciate your time. I, I thank you for coming on. I, I know this has been um, really years in the making. We've known each other for you know a few years now, and um, I'm glad we finally linked on on you know something like this. So 
Um, I appreciate your time, especially with everything going on. And um, it just kind of felt right to have this conversation um, and kind of revisit some of the stuff from a few years ago, which, you know, unfortunately has not really changed, but hopefully the past week or so can ignite some change and things can start to get better. Yeah, man. And um, congratulations to you too, bro. I've seen you since you've come in the game. You're one of the young emerging stars in broadcasting and writing. You've got an intelligent point of view and you're young enough to speak uh, the, the language of the, mm-hmm. of the, of, of, of the culture. You're, you, you know, you're for the culture. How we say culture, you know, you're, you're, you're woke, whatever you, whatever you want to say, man. So I'm, I'm excited to watch, man. And I love your, your demeanor. A lot of people don't know day to day, you know, some writers walk around with their nose in the air and all that. Like you, you've never been on that, man. I think, um, I'm just happy and excited to see your growth. Anything that I can do or be a part of the process or help with, I'm, I'm game, man. So keep up the good work, man. People are watching and, um, you know, you're, you're getting the notoriety that you deserve. I appreciate that. I really do. Where can people find you on social media? First off, man, you get the opportunity to check out the Opinionated Seven Footers podcast. We're on YouTube, uh, iTunes, all that, all that good stuff. Um, I'm Ryan Hollins uh, on Instagram, the Ryan Hollins on Twitter. And uh, shoot me a message, DM. Please don't fight with me. Maybe we like to discuss, but a lot of people <laughs> want to come and like fight with me. Like I don't enjoy fighting people okay i'm not that's not my thing i do i have a job to go out and say am i on this side or that side of the argument and then move on but like i love discussions i don't like fights but i love discussions <laughs> but i i will never forget one of my favorite moments the the 2018-19 season was my, my first time full-time traveling and we were in milwaukee and that was when you had said Giannis wasn't the mvp and they were, I think, just crushing the, the Clippers that game. And they just, the, the crowd just started chanting Ryan Hollins. That was, a, <laughs> that, that was, a, that was awesome. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Like, people think, like, there's some bias. Like, right now, it's, LeBron's not my MVP. Giannis is my MVP. But at that time, I didn't feel like he was the MVP because I looked at the level difficulty and what the cards that he was dealt versus what, Giannis, Giannis versus James Harden at the time. But right now I'm looking at Giannis and saying, you're more consistent. LeBron doesn't get the MVP in a weekend, you know? So like, you know, it's, it's just funny. Like, like, like no one on Milwaukee wants to go, oh yeah, we like it. Just people get fired up, bro. But, and you know, what's funny. I was like, oh man, what's happening, man? I better have my track shoes on going into this game. We never know. But everybody was so uh, cool and happy and cool, man. So shout out to the Milwaukee uh, fans for the way they they treated that but that was funny i'm like why are you guys ch- like i am not a part of the, this game okay <laughs> i like the honest okay i like them <laughs> well as always you can follow me on social media at yovan buha j-o-v-a-n-b-u-h-a and if you have not subscribed to this podcast or the athletic i recommend doing so you could go to theathletic.com slash clip city to help me out help this podcast out i'll be back next week Everybody stay safe, stay inside, follow your city and state guidelines with curfews and all that stuff. A lot going on, but uh, we we hope you listening to this podcast was a nice reprieve from from everything. And um, just uh, this was a fun conversation. Appreciate it, bro. Stay safe, everybody.